what is up, Caleb? It is good to see you from afar, and uh, wish you wish I was there in the studio with you. Right, we've been missing you. As I was telling you uh, just a little bit before the show, I've got your uh, your media pass for yes. football, not just these spring practices, but the fall as well. So you're going to need those at some time. It has for been in person in practice. Oh my goodness, that was uh, cool. The last time you and I were at a practice in person together, March 9th of 2020. We do the the initial spring practice um, media session. You hear yep. from all the coaches. You hear from all the coordinators, several of the players. Oh, what's going to happen this spring? Oh, we heard from Adrian Martinez. What's going to happen with the quarterback position? We give our Facebook uh, kind of update as, as we had every week. Um, yep. And then the next time in-person press conference was this Wednesday. It's it's just it's 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 over a year later. I it's very hard to fathom because you get there, and I joked with a few people, and it it became really a common joke. There, we're all just going to show up at Memorial Stadium. They're going to take us in a room, and it's just going to be a Zoom meeting anyway. <laughs> like we're we're not prepared to actually have these press conferences in person. So there's gonna there there is a slight adjustment to not typing your name into a chat and being like, "Hey Keith, I got one." You, yeah. you want to call on me next? Yeah. Uh, we got another one coming around. I, I'd like to to ask a question. So that's it's very interesting. We had the the Zoom meeting on Monday, and then in person Wednesday, and it's going to be in person the rest of the way. And apparently, there's going to be one or two practices we're going to be able to see the beginning of going forward this spring. May first spring game. I I went on and grabbed a couple tickets uh, yesterday just for some folks that I know weren't able to get on, but it sounded like Thursday. Call for the season ticket holders and donors gone quick. Yeah. And yeah. then it seemed like maybe they were taking a little bit longer to go through yesterday. And I would anticipate this for anyone who doesn't have a ticket yet. Obviously, there's a secondary sources you can go to get those. Yep. But I believe they were selling based on 50% capacity. I would anticipate it getting much closer to that 75%. And so in the coming weeks, they will be releasing more tickets. So if you if you haven't got them and you're already starting to look at the tickets that have been marked up on StubHub or places like that, I would advise to just hold off a little bit. I think you're going to have another chance to get the tickets at ten apiece. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, you, you will see, uh, I think, more availability come around as as time goes on here. Just because, like you said, there's there's going to be that reselling market there and. People want to go to this game, and so there's definitely the demand for uh, for those tickets. I, I definitely think that's accurate. Uh, we've uh, coming up. We've got Michael Brunts to talk uh, about just about everything Husker related. We've got him for baseball. We've got him for spring football. Uh, he's he's following the recruiting. Which there was a new Nebraska football commit this week. If you didn't hear about that, we'll tell you about who that is. Two of them actually. Uh, two of them. Yes. Yes. So we have that ahead for you. We also have, uh, well, it's it's not a Penn State match recap. It's a it's an NCAA tournament preview. Uh, we don't know the bracket yet, but the Husker volleyball squad uh, is done with regular season. It is uh, a strange season as it is with the spring and not having it in the fall like it usual. Uh, but the fact that they're already done with the regular season, it feels like they just started playing. Uh, and, and next week you're, you're going to be seeing them in the first rounds uh, of the tournament. Uh, Caleb, I think this is going to be uh, an interesting, I mean, it, it's the way that the tournament is set up. It's got fewer teams. It's going to be all in the same site in Omaha. Nebraska is going to be one of those top seeds, top four, top five, right in there. They moved up to fourth this week in the, in the polls. So they, they may mm-hmm. grab a top four seed as it is, but I feel like they are they're they're they obviously get the competition in the Big Ten, so you know they're gonna be ready for the tournament, but they've got those younger players more acclimated to play. They've got a feel for everybody as teammates to know where they're gonna be on the floor at various times of the games. I I, I feel like they're trending in the right direction to be able to make a run here uh, and potentially get another national championship. I agree. In- now, the thing would be, Cole, we would be coming in right now, even if these Penn State matches had been played, saying the season was over because tomorrow's Selection Sunday. 
for right. the NCAA volleyball tournament. So no matter what, this is still weird that the season would have been wrapped up at this time. So tomorrow, um, let me turn around and look at my – it is at 3 o'clock tomorrow. I should probably put my notes in front of me, not behind me. That would be very helpful. The whiteboard um, is where it is. You it, can't help that. Right. It, the whiteboard's behind me, not on Kenny's forehead. So that that's the way we're going with this. Uh, maybe I'll find a new place to put notes over there. But, yeah, 3 o'clock tomorrow, we will start finding out what that bracket's going to look like for Nebraska volleyball. Number four in the country. And you go 14-2. and two. That That's still 14-2 and two through this conference. Wisconsin ends up winning it. They didn't play a handful of matches, both because of their own COVID issues, but other teams' COVID issues. Everyone out there, no, the Badgers were not ducking Nebraska. That <laughs> Even in volleyball, that's not a thing that was happening. There's been COVID issues across the league. Penn State was not ducking Nebraska this week. As a matter of fact, it's possibly more beneficial. And Coach uh, Cook talked about this when the announcement came out on Wednesday, that if Penn State is contagious and you play those games and you're just close enough and um, particles and droplets and whatever get airborne, and you start to have it run through your own team with two weeks to go until the tournament begins, that's not very good either. So yeah. it was almost a blessing that these matches weren't played this week because they were able to ramp things down, still training. I believe they're taking this weekend off. It's Easter weekend. Happy Easter to uh, everyone out there. And now Nebraska's going to be a top 16 seed for sure. Where we find them out in the top four, five, six, whatever, they're going to be a top 16, which means they don't have to play April 14th on in round one. They'll make right. it to the second round, which is April 15th. Cole, if you want to go see games, I know it was all exciting that, hey, we're going to get a see Nebraska volleyball in the NCAA tournament. You still can't do that for the first round, the second round, or those regional semifinals. You have to wait until you get to the regional finals, national semis, and national final before you can be in person, and you have to wait until tomorrow to know what even session Nebraska has the possibility of playing in. It's just so weird having this spring volleyball, everything condensed, and then an even smaller tournament field. Yeah, and the the smaller tournament field thing has been kind of a topic of discussion for a few weeks. That, that didn't get any change. You're still looking at a 48-team field, and with the way that the top teams play – I mean, you know, it, I, it's not going to affect, I don't think, who will make that Elite Eight when you finally have fans in there. Um, you still probably would have seen most of the same squads anyway. Uh, it would have been nice, though, to get a few more teams in the field and, and still get that experience since you lost that last year. Uh, one of the things that I think the you can you can take from a year like this is uh, you'll, you'll have – a pretty quick turnaround, right? Because you're going to be playing again in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's something that I haven't thought enough about because you just were without volleyball. You were just happy to have it back, and then all of a sudden uh, you're looking at the calendar and it's April, and you're wrapping a season up, and you're going to be starting again in August. Um, right. That's going to cut. That's going to come up pretty quick, and we're going to be like, "Hold on, didn't they just finish the tournament?" So, <laughs> well, that's I, the exact same thing, Cole. That when we were talking about the possibility of spring football. And you, yeah. you're, you're seeing this outside of what we saw with the FBS. Obviously, they were able to get the college football playoff and the championships and a number of bowl games still in from the fall season. Mm-hmm. But when there was a possibility of moving the Big Ten and other things into the spring, that was the conversation that came up of playing over several months, having maybe a month off, and then coming right back again for the the fall semester and the fall season. So that's going to be, I would call it, an issue for these teams going forward if it remains a fall season into the future, and they don't just make the switch to the spring. It's, it's a very weird year to get a good baseline, like Coach Cook has talked about, of moving it 100% to the spring season. But for this Nebraska team in particular, Coach Cook said this week he's not actively going to be giving a recruiting pitch to his seniors to come back, to mm-hmm. the Lexi Sun and the, and the Lauren Stiverins and everyone within that class that has been so instrumental in how well this team has played over the last four years. Should he be giving a recruiting pitch, Cole? Like, like how when you heard that this week, what were your what were your thoughts on the fact that obviously there's a good recruiting class coming in, but do, should he be trying to be a little bit more active in bringing those players back next year? 
Well, that depends. I mean, are you are you talking about John Cook, the volleyball coach, or John Cook, the the soon to be named athletic director? Oh. Because Bill Moose is obviously <laughs> going to be the Pac-12 commissioner. Uh, what are we talking about here? Zero percent uh, chance that happens. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I, I'll believe that one when the announcement comes out. I think I think that's just kind of stuff getting thrown out there. But at, at, at any rate, with with yeah, with volleyball and and if yeah, look, if I'm John Cook, and I have a chance to get these seniors back for another season, I'm not going to say no, right? I, you have your incoming freshmen. Will their uh, opportunity to play be delayed a little bit? Yeah, but your responsibility is not just to get the seniors moved out and, and get this new batch of players in. You're trying to win, and you are not going to have a better, uh, a, a better roster with those players not on it. You're going to have a better roster with those players still remaining. Right. So, yeah, 100%. You, you, that's, that's the right thing to do. It's their decision if they want to do that or not. They can move on with their lives and figure out what they want to do professionally if they do if they so choose. But, yeah, John Cook is doing the right thing and at least asking and, and, and wondering, hey, are you interested in running it back? I will say this. You mentioned their record. I didn't think about this. They're 14-2. and two. Hopefully their postseason – ends a little bit better than the Chiefs did when they went 14-2 <laughs> in 2020. That's all I'm going what to happened? say about that. I don't remember anything happening. What happened? So baseball's won uh, on a big win streak, yeah, Caleb. Yeah, there you go. Yes, baseball is. We're going to talk a lot about that. A with, professional segue. Well, yeah, with, with, yeah. with Brunts. Um, one last quick thought on uh, on the volleyball, though. Um, yeah. We've talked with John Baylor on LNK Today a number of times, and he has in particular talked about Lauren Stiverens and the opportunity she would have to come back. Because right now she pretty much just plays the plays the front row. She plays half a rotation. Mm-hmm. If you're going to play professional, they want you, because they have less substitutions at the professional level, you need to be able to play all six positions all the way around. So you need to stay in for a full rotation. Right. That would be something that Lauren could uh, work on this next year. Something else that would be mightily impactful on keeping players around, whether it's the seniors from this team or just anyone going forward who has that opportunity, the name, image, likeness. Cole, it seems like we've been talking about this for, what, over a year now. Yeah. But if you can keep some folks around, especially – on this volleyball team where Jack's talked about it a number of times, and I know we've talked about it, but if you see a Husker athlete at the grocery store just walking around town or you're, you're, at, a, you're at a basketball game, obviously you know the basketball players are there, but you look up and you go, oh, there's other Husker athletes here. The most recognizable ones are on the volleyball team, perhaps outside of the couple that you really know from football, like an Adrian Martinez or you see a great flowing mullet come out of a football helmet, but you know the volleyball players and exactly what they look like because that is their sport, and they're the most followed on social media. If you can open up that name-image likeness to the point where they can profit a little bit, that makes it a little easier to come back to a place like Nebraska. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and that, that decision's coming down the pike here pretty quick. I believe this summer is when the first couple of states mm-hmm. will have enacted theirs actually they, they voted for them already and they're going to happen it's just a question of whether federal legislation beats the state legislation to the punch and they've had some some of the hearings on the federal level to to try to kind of flesh out what it would look like the ncaa wants action on this uh at the federal level so they don't have to worry about what the heck to do with different rules in different states because God knows their uh, their organization is is already strained uh, with with other decisions that they really suffer with. So, uh, yeah, that that is another factor to keep in mind if you are considering what to do and whether or not to come back. It's a factor that the football players uh, may be considered as well. A bunch of the, the defensive guys who came back for another season, uh, they they may have an opportunity to earn a little bit off of their uh, name, image, and likeness uh, this coming fall because they chose to, to stick around for that super senior season. So, yeah, that's a good point and, and something that they, uh, they that you will have to watch with, um, you know, I think this summer is when those those states are going to finally enact those. All right, uh, let's hit the first break here. We've got Michael Brunts from Husker 24-7 coming up next. Uh, he's going to talk Husker baseball. They're on a seven-game win streak. 
came back a couple of times to get the victory in the uh, series opener against Illinois yesterday. You've got spring football, you've got commitments, you've got recruiting, you've got a whole bunch uh, to talk about with Brunts, and plenty more where that came from. Uh, a lot to go here on the KLI and Husker Hour. That's Caleb Henry. I'm Cole Stukenholz. Kenny Larrabee's got us going on the Facebook Live. Come right back after this here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Rolling along here on our Saturday morning. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. It is April, and April usually doesn't mean volleyball, but this year it does. Uh, But April last year didn't mean baseball, and this year, it's very different with baseball rolling and and on a seven game win streak to no less. Uh, Huskers are uh, definitely in business this year uh, in Will Bold's first full season, uh, and we're going to talk about that and more with our guest here on the Kline Husker Hour. It's Michael Brunts from Husker Twenty Four Seven. Brunts, welcome back to the show. It's been a while. How are you? Great points, guys. How you doing? Doing pretty well. We uh, we're not doing well, and maybe we are, but I'm not doing as well as Will Bolt is. Uh, the way they have rolled through their schedule here, uh, they have not had a losing weekend yet. Uh, they won last night, coming back not once but twice uh, to get uh, deficits erased and, and end up winning that series opener against Illinois, eight to six. Uh, I want to talk about the offense first, Bruns. What they've been steady. They've also been resilient. And, and they've been able to come back from deficits when uh, they, they've been down. What has clicked for this offense? Is it the new guys? Is it the older guys? Is it just all of it mashed together? Uh, from your perspective, what, what has worked with that offense? Yeah, I mean, I think what you're seeing is, you know, the, the thing that stands out to me most is it's just they're really tough out, one through nine. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, not only the, the guys that they have in there on the lineup card, but also, I mean, they've got guys that can come off the bench. They can mix and match. They can play matchups a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think they've done a pretty nice job of, um, you know, the, the one thing that, that Will Bolt and, and Lance Harvell especially try to do is they really kind of fit guys into roles. I mean, they, they don't ask guys to kind of be a jack-of-all-trades. They just go to a Joe Acker and say, look, you know, we just need you to get on base. Or, you know, a Jackson Hallmark and say, we just need you to be – you know, a spark plug uh, for us. And I, I think guys have really kind of responded to that because uh, you're seeing, you know, the, the, the super seniors on their victory lap, like Luke Roskam having great years. Um, obviously, Max Anderson's been, uh, you know, terrific out of the gate. And, you know, they, they kind of piece it together. I think last night in that eighth inning, that was a pretty good example of, you know, the, the way that this team can kind of, you know, put pressure on opponents. They, they, you know, end up stealing a couple bases. They, you know, have a, a one-out bases loaded squeeze uh, to bring in an insurance yeah. run. You get, you know, three singles. So it, it was a little bit of everything, and that's kind of what's working for this team right now. They're, they're you know, leading the, the league in hits. Um, that They're up there in home runs, and they're stealing bases too. So it, it's uh, really kind of clicking right now, and, you know, that that's a, a good sign. Because like you said, they haven't lost a, a weekend series uh, yet. And with the way that the Big Ten opted to do their scheduling, that's what you have to do. You just have to win games um, because it's going to be tough come tournament selection time. But these guys are really uh, really playing good baseball right now. On the pitching side, you had Cade Povich, who's the reigning Big Ten Pitcher of the Week, uh, did not have the same type of performance last night that he did last week uh, where he went seven shutout against Minnesota. Uh, Pushed through, got five and a third. Uh, Braxton Bragg gave up a couple runs after Povich gave up four, but Jake Bunn shut him down with an inning and a third. Uh, Spencer Schwellenbach came in with his uh, high 90s fastball and, and closed it out. Uh, the the starting pitching has been there for Nebraska, but what can you say about the development of the way the bullpen has has kind of tried to pull their weight as well with that staff? Yeah, you know, I think when you're trying to compare last year's team to this year's, I mean, I think the biggest difference is the, the depth of pitching that they have. Um, you know, Jake Buns goes in there last night and, you know, pitches pitches really well at the end of the game, and he's, you know, normally a starting pitcher for you, so that's a nice luxury to have. And then you, you have Spencer Schwellenbach coming in there after playing a full game and going three for five at the plate. He's pumping, 
in 97 and, and getting guys out with, with pretty good uh, off-speed stuff. So that, that, that looks pretty good. And, you know, as long as they can keep getting, you know, five, six, seven innings from their starters, uh, that, that's a, a pretty good recipe. You know, I, I think the biggest question mark for me coming into the year was, what, I guess, kind of how the roles would shake out in that bullpen. And I still think there's a little bit of uh, some maneuvering going on with guys uh, kind of moving out here and there. But it, it feels like they're kind of starting to settle on the guys that they know they can count on. They've got some young arms, too, if, if they have to re- really get deep in the bullpen. So, uh, you know, I think Jeff Christie's done a really nice job. And, and I, I think you have to give credit to the staff for kind of recognizing last offseason that they were going to need more pitching help. And I think they've done a nice job of going out and finding guys that can help them right away. I mean, Chance Roach is a great example of that. Funds was another guy that they added uh, in the off season. So uh, that, that I think they they really kind of took that COVID um, shutdown last year as an opportunity to improve their roster where they needed to. Brunts, we we barely got to see Will Bolton year one, so it was kind of a what is his coaching going to be here in Lincoln? And then we saw the first couple series out uh, especially on the the neutral fields of a number of runners left on base but now we're seeing everyone up and down the lineup can hit it out of the park you also have guys that are going to be able to get some more timely base hits you had what five stolen bases yesterday and then bunting with bases loaded how 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 much is this coaching staff impacting the ability to score runs over this stretch right now Oh, a lot. I mean, I, I think, you know, we, we saw Will Bolt kind of what, what his offense looks like when he was an assistant coach uh, here at Nebraska before he went down to Texas A&M. And, you know, Lance Harvell, I, I think, kind of thinks similarly to, to the way that Will does and, and the way that you call a game from the third-base coaching box and kind of put pressure on teams. And, you know, I, I think what you're seeing is, is, you know, Nebraska can really kind of force in the issue um, that they're being an aggressive offense. And I think, you know, what, what, you know, people kind of roll their eyes a little bit at the bunting sometimes. But, I mean, it's college baseball. I mean, if you can force guys to have to make tough plays, generally, you know, the, the advantage is to the offense. And I, I think they've done that. I think they've, they've shown off the way that they could score. I mean, like you said, I mean, they, they can hit, they hit the ball out of the park. And they can really manufacture runs too. And I think what's really been a nice kind of addition or, or change to the lineup is that I think they figured out at the top of the lineup that just really kind of grinds on guys. I mean, you, you look at a Joe Acker at bat. I mean, you're you're probably betting that thing's going to a full count. And you know, the same way with Jackson Hallmark, where they just they just kind of wear you out at the plate. And you know, I, I think a lot of guys have, have kind of bought into what this coaching staff is selling. I mean, they're, they're all about the, the gritty at bat and all that stuff. And I know that, that people sometimes roll their eyes a little bit at that. But, um, you know, when you're, you're a pitcher and you know you're, you're not getting those easy outs and, you know, one or two pitch outs, it, it wears on you. And I think that's just been the thing that I've noticed the most with this offense. And, and, and maybe not as much last year, but certainly this year. They're, they're, they're really kind of forcing the issue and, and kind of playing, uh, playing offense on their toes rather than, you know, kind of standing around and waiting for somebody to hit it out of the park. Michael Bruns from Husker 24-7 joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, I want to touch on football and, and spring football in particular, uh, but first uh, I want to hit recruiting because Nebraska got their second commit of the 2022 class this week as well as their first in 2023. Uh, the, there's been some consternation among some fans uh, just in terms of the lack of commits at this point, uh, even though it's a very uh, atypical recruiting cycle. Tell us a little bit about what the Huskers are getting in, in Victor Jones, the wide receiver out of Florida for this 2022 class, uh, and and if they're uh, going to start to see some of that dam break in terms of visits, commits, and, and, and all the things that you expect to get out of this 2022 class soon. Yeah, you know, Victor Jones was a bit of a you know surprise commit. I mean, the kid hadn't visited Nebraska, but uh, when you kind of dig in a little bit to you know, his recruitment, I mean, Nebraska was his first offer. They've kept in really good contact uh, with him. Uh, he's, a, he's a tremendously productive wide receiver down in the Orlando area uh, during his first two first two years of, of varsity ball. I think he had 60 catches uh, for over a thousand yards. 
And, you know, he, he kind of fits that mold that Nebraska's recruiting to now. He's 6'2", 180 pounds, uh, you know, can really fly and get vertical in the passing game. So, you know, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I, I think, you know, the, those kinds of commitments have kind of been the norm a little bit for, you know, not only Nebraska, but a lot of places, you know, with, with guys that have built relationships with the coaching staff but haven't necessarily been able to see a place. So, um, you know, kind of looking ahead uh, to your question about, you know, what what's next. I mean, I you know, as long as the NCAA lifts the dead period on June 1st, which it sounds like they're, they're going to do, uh, you know, you're going to see guys taking official visits. Guys are already lining up official visits at Nebraska uh, for, for June. It's really kind of turned into an elbows-out recruiting thing right now because, you know, you, you haven't had guys in the 22 class be able to make visits at all. And all of a sudden, all these teams are kind of trying to, to get official visits and get you on campus. So it, it's really competitive. I think Nebraska is going to be in a good spot because they're sitting well with a lot of guys regionally. And, you know, it's just a matter of getting them on campus. And guys, you know, I, I think we're at the point where, you know, they're just waiting to see when this thing is going to lift before they kind of started making decisions and, and narrowing things down. So the dam's going to break. You're, you're going to see a few more surprise commitments like that, I think. Um, but, you know, it, it sounds like, you know, as long as the NCAA moves forward with its plan, that, uh, you know, you're, you're going to see a lot more action and guys visiting, which is a good sign for a place like Nebraska. All right, Brunts, I know it's going to be 80 on Monday. It was not 80 on Wednesday with the first in-person media session in over a year. What <laughs> what what were your initial thoughts? One, just being able to be there with, with a with a group of, of guys and girls to cover Nebraska because it it felt for me anyway, it just felt gratifying to be to that point where you could see everyone in person, not just the coaches but all all the colleagues from from working and covering the Huskers for a number of different sports in a number of different places. But for you, what was that like? And obviously I don't have to ask if you were cold because I know we were all cold. <laughs> I forgot to wear, I forgot a jacket when I left the house. Too. <laughs> so I was, I was, uh, I'm out of practice, I guess, but yeah, it was, it was good to be in person. I mean, it's, uh, hopefully it can stay that way. Um, you know, maybe we get to see a little bit of practice too. I mean, it's, uh, it's, you know, little by little, you felt a little bit of a return to normalcy, um, at least with the way that we do our jobs, which um, is, is a welcome thing. I mean, the, it's been great, um, you know, that Nebraska's been able to do all the Zoom stuff, that, you know, we've been able to, to do that through all this. But uh, there's certainly Zoom fatigue, and, and hopefully the in-person stuff continues because it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, you see the people, you can ask follow-ups a little bit easier rather than having to be called on on a computer, so... Um, that, that's a good sign, and, and hopefully uh, it can continue a little bit. It's Michael Brunts, Husker 24-7, covers it all for them uh, and uh, helps us out here uh, every so often on the Husker Hour. Uh, Brunts, good to hear you again here on the show, and uh, we appreciate the time. Have a good weekend. Happy Easter. You too, guys. Take care, all right? Michael Bruns, Husker 24-7. Uh, and we, we didn't get to the other commit, but that other commit, if you didn't hear, uh, is a 2023 tight end. Uh, Nebraska's, uh, you know, they, they, they have the consternation of, oh, no, they lost this this tight end from Bellevue West. He's not even considering him. Oh, we have so many tight ends. Well, hey, here's another one. He's a 2023 kid. Uh, he's out of uh, Pierce, Nebraska. Uh, Benjamin Brommer. Yeah, go Blue Jays. Um, All right. Yeah, the Pierce High Blue Jay. You know, haven't heard that since Matt, uh, Matt Harrion days back in the early 2000s when I was in college. So um, he's in 6'6", 195 right now uh, as a 2023 kid. So he's got some uh, frame to put some weight on, that's for sure. Cool. we need uh, to talk about, obviously there are plenty of directions we can go with the other half of the show, but I want to make sure we dive into some folks are hitting the panic button on in-state recruiting with that 2022 class. Right. I want to get some of your thoughts. I'll give mine as well. Yeah, absolutely. We'll hit that. Um, some some national college basketball coaching moves, retirements. Is it? Is changing, it? It's the Final Four today. Changing addresses. Yes, the Final Four. Uh, and and we will uh, we will probably not dig into like deep dive analysis on that. But I do want to hit on the coaching uh, migrations because that's always interesting. Um, and and we will do all that when we come back here on the KLI Husker Hour. More to go. Stick with us. 
talking with current and former Huskers and those who cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. KLIN Husker Hour. If you missed Michael Brunts, who was just here on the show, you can always tune into the podcast page at KLIN.com. Uh, you can head over to our Facebook page at KLIN Huskers and you can check out the live streams. You can check out the live stream of this show right now over there, uh, courtesy of Kenneth Larrabee, who is there in the studio with Caleb Henry, uh, pushing all those buttons and, and making our br- bright, shiny faces magically appear for you. We are uh, hey Cole, now... Before we really dive into some stuff, we're going to some inside baseball here, is yeah. that we are not using the pro version of Zoom while you are at home. Oh, right. So uh, I'm, I'm going to hang up on you and talk for a minute while you go ahead and get reconnected here. We forgot to do that during the break. Eh, that's, uh, that's all right. We'll get to that. So, us. All so right. We'll get Cole back here in just a second. But talking about this 2022 class, and there have been a number of guys that have not put Nebraska even in their top 10. And we saw it with, uh, with Helms this week. And I know that, that is, that's an issue for some people, and that's definitely causing some folks to hit the panic button. Is it an issue? Yeah, of course it's an issue. You're, you're missing out on, on your in-state guys, and Nebraska's gone and taken some, some top guys out of other states. Now, the part where I'm not seeing as much of an issue as other people are is I was a guy who selected somewhere else to go out of high school from Nebraska and go somewhere else to play. Scott Frost did the same thing before he came back. I don't see it as as big an issue as some folks are saying and wanting to hit that panic button because there are times that no matter how hard you are recruited by a coaching staff, you just want to go see something else. Hunter Salas, yes, Gonzaga's the top team in the country and undefeated right now. And Creighton had some some issues down the stretch, and, and there were some words that were were spoken out of turn by Coach McDermott, and from everything we've heard, that's not the way he treats people. That's not the way he thinks about people. It's just a word that came up. I'm not going to go down that path, Cole, but he didn't pick his home, not just his home state school, but his home city school, and he's going right. to Gonzaga. And what do we constantly hear from a number of these guys when they choose somewhere over Nebraska or the in-state school, and especially with some of those Florida guys that come up to Nebraska and they stay, or they come from other parts of the country to Nebraska and stay. I wanted to see somewhere else. You've lived your whole life somewhere, yeah. and these guys have grown up with Nebraska, and there are a number of folks that grow up, and it's, I'm a Husker fan, I want to be a Husker, and then I want to live the rest of my life as I got to live out a dream of playing for the Huskers. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I also want to tell folks, there's nothing wrong with wanting to go see something different. It does become an issue if you lose out on an entire class of in-state guys. Of course, you, you got to try to you got to recruit those guys, try to get them here. But if you're missing out on on a few guys or several guys just because they want to go see something different, I'm never going to fault the kids for that. No, and and every you can look at these as a big collective decision, but it's not. Like these guys aren't. You know, you, you have you have your your situations where it's a package deal where. You know, maybe a couple of buddies who've been you known each other since kid, you know, they were kids. They decide they want to go somewhere, and they want to go somewhere out of state. And you know, you're going to lose both of them. Obviously, that's package deal, and that might be the situation with Deshaun Woods and Devin Jackson, the kids who are, uh, according to 24/7, the number one and two players in the state. Um, and and we talked about this a few weeks ago because Mitch Sherman had a story in the Athletic, kind of detailing their decision making process. Uh, and, and how they came to not have Nebraska in their lists of finalists. Um, and they may go somewhere different. They had different schools there, but some of them matched up. Anyway, the, the, the point I make is if you, if you have uh, the entire class go, yeah, that's bad, but they're also making individual decisions. Um, I, to me, this comes back to the one thing that makes things better with the way – people handle Scott Frost post-game media sessions, the way people handle uh, the way that players talk about other players on the team and how they're excited about the season and how they think they're trending in the right direction. And Brendan Hymas says that the the program's going and, you know, going to be blown up soon or whatever he said at the, the pro day. 
Like, all of it gets better if you win. The recruiting will improve if you win. You will be more likely to get one of the in-state kids to stay if you win. Because you know what? Winning's fun. And the kids play the sport for fun. At least, you know, when you start playing, maybe it's more of a, a grind when you get to the college ranks and, 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 you know, on from there. But ultimately, you want to go somewhere where you are going to enjoy your experience and you want to have a chance to win games and win championships and, and go to bowl games and things like that. And these kids who are coming up as juniors and seniors right now, Caleb, they're not getting that from Nebraska. Right. At least, you know, they haven't gotten that from Nebraska these last few seasons. So if you want to go somewhere and get that, you're going to have to go out of state until Nebraska starts to win again. Uh, you have Caden Helms is the other one who came out, I think maybe this week or it might have been last week. Right. He's a tight end out of Bellevue West, and he is not considering Nebraska in his list of finalists. Uh, Micah Riley is another one who's on another tight end at, at Bellevue West again. Um, they, they churn out a lot of talent out of that school, I tell you what. Um, they are – Mike O'Reilly may still consider Nebraska, but but Helms, Jackson, and Woods, three of the top four players in the state, are no longer considering Nebraska, where the fifth best player, according to 24-7, Ernest Hausman, is, is one of the two commits for Nebraska in this class. Now, in, in that position you bring up with, with Helms, and I know there's the 2023 tight end, uh, yeah, Brommer. but when you talk about the tight end position, obviously Nebraska is now after Kurt uh, Raftall is transferring. He's into the transfer yep. portal. Uh, I feel like we're about uh, 39 minutes late on bringing that up, um, but he's in the portal. So you've got your two upperclassmen tight ends in uh, in Austin Allen and Travis Volkolek, and then you've got your three freshmen, uh, chief among them Thomas Fedoni. So when you start thinking about a depth chart perspective. And you've got Rollins and Carney there with Fedoni as those freshmen. You don't know who else might come in as a transfer at some point, and you are someone who's going to be going into their senior year, and you would be coming in next year. How far down or how many guys do you think you're probably going to be behind, as well as the fact that, let's be honest, other than a few throws that have just been kind of tossed up to guys last season – Nebraska hasn't utilized the tight end a whole lot. Could that change? Absolutely, that can change. But Nebraska has not shown itself to this point to be a program that's using the tight end. So if you're already behind a number of guys at a program that has not shown they're going to use that position, it makes perfect sense to go find somewhere where you're going to have the opportunity to play. And just like Cole said, winning is fun. Being successful is fun. There are a number of ways to be successful that don't always include the wins and losses, and a big part of that is the playing time. So when you start, as a macro part of it, Cole, and I think this is what we're going to keep coming back to, as a macro part of it, does it look good to currently be missing out on three of the top four in a class? No. But when you get into the micro part of it and go each individual person making individual decisions, it makes sense, and you can't really fault the program on that end of it. Right, and and but but to... To that point, I think you can fault the program in terms of the not winning, which oh. is the obvious thing. Yep. Because we're, you know, if this program had made a bowl game in each of the last four seasons or five seasons or however long it's been, uh, that would change the the calculus for these kids maybe a little bit. Uh, we don't know that for sure, but it might. And the fact that you haven't been winning, it and, and knowing that that may take you out of the running for some of these kids. And it's not just these kids in Nebraska, it's kids in Iowa and South Dakota and Colorado and Kansas and Missouri and other places within the 500 mile radius. It's not just the kids that are in the state. The kids in the state are the ones that Nebraska fans for, you know, of a certain age have been accustomed to getting without really having to try much for quite a while. And now that that's not the case, those folks are, are, you know, pushing the panic button a little bit. And, and it's, you you are going to see that continue until you start to get wins on the scoreboard, uh, not just the wins in recruiting. The wins in the recruiting game are fine. That's great. Uh, obviously, they can be game changers for you on the field, but until they actually do change the games on the field and get you back to a bowl game, back to contending for a division championship and into the Big Ten title game, 
then it's not really going to get you back to where you want to be overall because ultimately, you know, please, people want to go where they're going to have a chance to have success uh, in, in large part. Other, other factors exist, but kids want to win. It is easier to wait your turn behind some guys when those guys ahead of you are all conference and all American yeah. and you're competing for championships at the, at, especially at the conference level, but, yeah. but also for spots in the college football playoff and, and you've got the potential there. It's a lot easier to wait behind some guys when you know that's the path your team is on. Right. And, and that was the, that was the case back in the nineties. You have, you know, a, a large contingent of players who won national championships and they, they didn't play early in their careers, but they sat because they knew that when they did put in the work and those guys ended up leaving the program, it would be their turn and they would be positioned well for a run at a lot of glory, frankly. And and that's not what the situation is right now. So until that changes, this is maybe what you're going to see. But like we said, that 2023 tight end from Pierce, you don't know where he's going to line up in terms of the statewide uh, rankings, but that's a good sign for at least that class going forward. Uh, you're still not scaring off every tight end uh, from the entire world. Uh, even though you just got three this last class, you get one in that 2023 class. So, um, again, it's always somewhere in the middle, Caleb. Yeah. It's never it's never the extremes. Uh, nuance is, is difficult in sports talk and, and these discussions, but, hey, that is what it is sometimes. All right. Hey, Sean um, Becton said this week he thinks this tight end group has the, the potential to be one of the tops of the nation this fall. Yes. Yeah, well, and you have a guy with Austin Allen size. Travis Vokalek is is coming along, and, and he knows more of the offense now. Thomas Fedoni is just dripping with potential. Uh, Carney and, and Rollins, I think Carney's more positioned, I think, to contribute this season. Yeah, you, you really could uh, add into that the fact that the receiver group is so unknown, and you don't know what you're going to get from them. You might have to lean on the tight end group a lot more than you would in past years. Uh, maybe not since you had the duo of Ben Cotton and Kyler Reed um, in the early two, early 2010s. Uh, would you would you go back to to have tight ends factor that much into a Nebraska offense? I want to put out a formation where Adrian Martinez is the shortest guy on the field. <laughs> I want it to be because you've got Hickman as a receiver. You've got all these uh, a couple. Yeah. Six, you've got uh, Betts and and Manning all all kind of in those six three areas, and then you've got all of your tight ends that are giants. Add that with your big offensive line. I don't care. Five, five tight end set. You can spread them out because they're all super athletic anyway. Empty backfield with Martinez. Just big catch radiuses. Yeah, Caleb, next time as we go to break, next time you get to uh, practice and you make sure you take your jacket, uh, <laughs> you need to ask that of, of Matt Lubick or Scott Frost. You need to just, just throw it out there and be like, hey, you know, you've got a lot of height and size and whatnot. Have you thought of making Adrian Martinez the smallest player on the field? Five tight. Formation? They're just going to call it five tight, and then you're going to run your play from there. Five tight. Set. Hunt. <laughs> I like it. Let's see what that. Let's see what you can get out of that. All right. Uh, head to break. Uh, we've got uh, some more Husker spring storylines. Uh, and then uh, I want to hit a little bit on the college coaching carousel for college basketball as well uh, on Final Four Day. Uh, this is KLI and Husker Hour. More to come. Stick with us. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. KLIN Husker Hour, that's Caleb Henry, your KLIN Sports Director. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. Kenny Letterby is helping us out with the Facebook Live, valued part of our show and uh, valued part of uh, the show this month is going to be spring football, Caleb, because yes. uh, it's finally here after a year off. We've got spring storylines to talk about. We've got actual discussions with coaches and players about who's trending and, and, and who we can see soon uh, on a football field in the fall. Uh, let's start with what you are hearing from uh, the, the team so far, uh, and then uh, I've, I've got some thoughts on on what we can expect to see too. What are some storylines that you're hearing so far? So one one of the biggest things that we heard this week from each of the coaches that we talked about, we talked with several of the position coaches on Wednesday. Got the coordinators, Coach Frost, and a few players on Monday. One of the biggest things that was kind of universal for all of them is the confidence 
that this team has, and a big part of that is from their work with the strength coach, Zach Duvall, and guys are being a little bit bigger, being stronger for sure, and, and being faster. And I think a big part of that confidence is not just what they're doing in the weight room, but it's guys who have now been within the system. This, we're coming up on year four with uh, Coach Frost. Maybe we call it three and a half because last year was just weird. Um, it feels like everything's been weird with Coach Frost, at least something from year to year, whether it's a, a game gets canceled, guys are, are hurt, or you've got a pandemic happens to take out a, a large portion of what you're going to do over the, uh, over the course of a calendar year. So you've got guys who have been around. You've got really good returners on defense. The biggest thing that we have heard from each of these coaches and the players is the confidence that they have coming into this spring. Now, obviously, there's the smaller storylines of how much can you develop at the quarterback position behind Adrian Martinez. What what can Adrian Martinez do himself this spring? Matt Lubick talked about how it's not just the quarterback position that needs to come along. It's got to be everyone else around him as well, working like a well-oiled machine. What are you going to get out of the wide receiver Wide receiver Samori Toure is going to be lined up in that slot position, and as we know, Cole, that slot position tends to be a highlight with this offense. That's where you saw J.D. Spielman. That's where you saw Wandale Robinson. What is Toure, the transfer out of Montana, going to be able to do in that spot? What else are you going to see from the development of guys like Omar Manning and Xavier Betts and your tight ends? Can Austin Allen take another step? How much is Travis Volkolite going to come in and impact the tight end game? What kind of... Um, what kind of progression do you get from a guy like Thomas Fedoni stepping onto campus? What um, You also had Cam Jurgens talked about how snapping's not going to be an issue going forward. He works on it constantly. We hope that that does become the case because that's been its own storyline. And the rest of the offensive line knocking down penalties and they're getting bigger uh, year over year with their recruiting. And that's just all on the offensive side of the ball without even including Marquis Step as the USC transfer at running back. Um, and then the defense has got a number of storylines there as well, uh, chief among them being the returning guys. What kind of steps can they take going forward? Cole, what, what, are, what are you watching really this spring? I, so one of the things that I thought was interesting earlier this, uh, this week hearing from Travis Fisher, the DB's coach, was that he, he wants each of, his, each of the guys in the secondary to start on at least one of the special teams groups, uh, which – I, you know, special teams, a lot of people just dismiss it, but special teams was terrible last year for Nebraska. And Mike Dawson, Mike Dawson is now the special teams coordinator, outside linebackers coach. Yeah, right. He's taking that over. And and the way that they are approaching this year, um, I think is, is fed from how bad it was last year. And so I feel like if you have more of a buy-in across the roster, in special teams, that that's going to get you better results overall. Because there's no question it cost Nebraska at least a game or two last season, uh, which maybe cost Nebraska a bowl game last season, uh, just from just from poor special teams play. So the fact that he's putting an emphasis on it like that as a position coach uh, that's not in charge of the squad, uh, I, I think is going to be a good thing. Uh, and and the other thing I'm I'm really interested in finding out. Who is going to win the the offensive line spot that, that's open? Um, obviously, you've got Turner Corcoran and Bryce Benhart at the tackle spots. You've got Cam Jurgens in the middle, um, and then if you look at the guards, you know, is it going to be Trent Hickson getting a starting job back? Will Ethan Piper be able to keep it? Um, are you going to have one of the new guys from the last couple of seasons like Nuwili or Ezra Miller? Uh, there, there's, there's a lot of different pieces that you can use, uh, on the interior of those guard spots. And I feel like those battles are going to be pretty important because iron sharpens iron. You can get better just with, just by virtue of competition. Um, are, are the, you know, are, is it going to factor in as to how you play with, you know, does, does Corcoran like playing with this guy better than that guy? How, how's the complimentary part of it work? Um, those those guard battles are going to be fascinating to me this spring as well. I'm just happy we get to have a spring. We're going to get to go yes. see a couple of practices in person. May 1st spring game, at least 50% capacity. I would expect that to go a lot closer to 75%. Obviously, we have your Husker Max practice reports all throughout the week and very excited that, hey, it's always football season. And it gives us something yes. a little bit more to talk about here, Cole. 
Absolutely. Always football season here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, we'll come back and wrap this thing up right after this uh, here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. All right, wrapping this thing up on a Final Four Saturday. Uh, can Gonzaga go undefeated? We'll find out maybe tonight, maybe Monday for the national title game. Um, before we wrap down, run down the uh, the Husker happenings this weekend, Caleb, I want to run down some of the college basketball carousel. Right, right. With so Roy Williams retiring um, overshadowed the Lon Kruger retirement, which happened earlier. <laughs> yep. um, the North Carolina job is is going to be an interesting one to watch for sure. Um, I would imagine you probably see a pretty big name. They might go with uh, I, the the Greensboro coach has been rumored to to be a, a candidate there since he's got ties to the program and it's pretty close by anyway. Um, Shaka Smart to Marquette. The guy was maybe going to get fired at Texas. And then they go and get Chris Beard to leave a better situation, I think, for him in in Lubbock. But he's got ties to Texas, so I understand that. Mm-hmm. the The one that's gonna go by go by under the radar uh, was uh, Bill Self's move yesterday. Did you see this? Uh, yeah, and this was absolutely not under the radar, especially well, because of the way parts of that contract are worked. Cole, that's the thing. Lifetime contract. It's just basically a perpetually renewing contract, but. He got it in the language of the deal that they can't fire him for the NCAA investigation. That is a GOAT contract for that guy. That is unbelievable. Say what you want about anything with Kansas or or any of the Blue Bloods um, getting favoritism and Bill Self being one of the all-time greats. He stepped in after Roy Williams for Kansas, um, and he did something Williams couldn't do. He won won a national championship at KU. But to get that language in there, whether that's self or self's agent or someone at KU just coming up and doing that, like you said, that is a goat move. Holy cow. Unbelievable. And he's got 15 Big 12 championships. I mean, <laughs> he's worth it, but, man, that is that is something to see that. And, uh, I mean, the NCAA wasn't going to do anything to him anyway, but now the school can't either. All right, uh, what do we have on docket for uh, Huskers uh, this week? What's so, going on? With, uh, with Husker baseball, you have got... 5 o'clock first pitch today, 4.30 pregame, right here on KLIN, taking on Illinois again tomorrow. First pitch at noon, pregame at 11.30. We're going to be watching 3 o'clock tomorrow, Selection Sunday for the NCAA Volleyball Tournament. We'll have a story up at KLIN.com shortly after that, detailing the bracket and the run that the Husker women's volleyball is going to need to go for a sixth championship. It's going to be a busy week. Stick with us here on KLIN. Caleb will have all the spring updates for spring football. Uh, That is it for us. Wear a mask. Get your shot. Get vaccinated. Go Big Red.